0: Hello and welcome to the Social Podcast. On this episode, we will be speaking with Candice Worley, the Vice President of McAfee, one of the most well-recognized cybersecurity companies in the world, to discuss what our future with AI technology might look like. We will explore everything from how this might affect our everyday jobs to what a terrorist attack using AI might look like. And later on the show, for our weird wide web segment, where we search the web to bring you a crazy story from the world of tech, we will be looking at a story about a barking drone. But first, I'll chat with Candice Worley. I just want to start by saying uh, thank you so much for taking the time out. I can't even begin to imagine how busy you are. So, I really appreciate you coming on and speaking with us.
1: No problem at all. It's my pleasure. In fact, RSA is over. That's a huge security conference in this industry in San Francisco that's been the last four days. Mm-hmm. So, this is actually a nice um, diversion from the chaos of back-to-back customer meetings and wandering the expo floor, so. Fantastic. Um, it, it's a fun <laughs> and it's a fun topic as well, so.
0: Excellent. All right. Um, I suppose if we want to get started, then um, maybe if you could just give our listeners a little bit of background in um, your your history in the field of AI, what you do for McAfee, and um, yeah, just a little rundown on, on your experience in this area. Great,
1: sure. I've been with McAfee for almost 19 years, so about 19 years in the security industry. During that time, my roles have run the gambit from, you know, uh, Product management as an individual contributor to running whole product management teams. A general manager for their largest enterprise business for five years. Have done some stuff in product marketing. And now am the chief technical strategist for McAfee. And you know, the thing about AI is it kind of pervades our entire portfolio at this point. It's become a fairly integral part of the technologies we deliver to market. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't, I don't live and breathe the, the technical uh, deep dives of AI,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: I absolutely spend time understanding AI and the implications of it as it relates to uh, vendors delivering portfolios that leverage AI to improve security, mm-hmm. as well as kind of customers and how they're looking to AI and counting on AI to help um, reduce the burden of IT infrastructure and security on their own organizations.
0: Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, one one topic that I wanted to touch on to begin with, I know that data has been a huge issue, especially within the last year. I think it might even be fair to say that Cambridge Analytica was probably one of the biggest stories of last year. And um, it seems that data is increasingly becoming prevalent in our headlines. So on that topic, um, what would you say are the implications of AI applications to privacy and the handling of personal information.
1: Yeah, so it's it's interesting that whole area the, the security versus privacy balance. You know, I've been looking at that and watching it for a few years now, where you know it almost feels like those two are are in constant kind of struggle because mm-hmm. um, you need you need data and you need the ability to inspect data, understand data, analyze data, and come to based on that data in order to deliver efficient um, and effective security.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: At, at the same time, the question has to be asked, how much data does a company really need
2: mm-hmm.
1: about customers or employees in order to make those security decisions? And with the technologies that we have today, we can obviously gather You know, petabytes of data from various applications, whether those are security applications, whether those are uh, productivity applications, you know, email, uh, texting, social media, et cetera. The ability for us to capture data means that we have larger data stores today than I think we ever have in the history of, of mankind. I mean, I was reading an article recently where they said 90% of the world's data today has been developed in the last two years.
0: <laughs> it's staggering. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. Like,
1: like, it, it's staggering. So like, What is that data set going to look like two years from now, Sam? I mean, it, it's crazy. And so the thing that's fascinating to me on the topic of security and privacy is historically, if you wanted to gather data on you or I or, or you know, Bob Jones out there somewhere,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you would have had to go to a multitude of sources.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You would have had to sift through all that data, try to figure out which of it was relevant to the individual you were searching about, mm-hmm. and then you would have had to collate and aggregate that data yourself and draw your own insights.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What machine learning does is it gives us the ability to have machines go search different databases for information on a given individual or a given company or a given government mm-hmm. or you know, pick whatever you want to target, apply algorithms to that, those data sets, which mm-hmm. they've now sort of aggregated in an automated fashion, and then provide insight to whoever's initiating that work around said individual. So think about how much data you could gather on any given individual if you went to a Google database, a security vendor database, a government database, a credit bureau database. You could create a pretty detailed profile on any individual. Mm -hmm. And historically, that would have been months, if not years, of work in order to accomplish that. A.I., is going to allow that to happen in, in probably minutes, maybe hours. Mm-hmm. So, so the implications of that for privacy are now someone can very quickly create a profile on millions of people versus mm-hmm. the past. That would have taken a lot of time and a lot of people to have done that. So, so it's that AI enables mm-hmm. the creation of individual profiles very rapidly Security needs information in order to ensure the security of an organization, an individual, a government, etc. And yet, where is the line between you've now crossed a privacy boundary that's not okay versus mm-hmm. I needed that data to ensure the security of our nation yeah. or our company or our family? So I just think it's a fascinating debate.
0: No, definitely. Um, do you think that privacy in this day and age is something which is... The work of fiction now, and that the the age of privacy is somewhat gone. Or do you think that we can still maintain privacy um, in this world of data, uh, uh, prodigious amounts of data and AI? So, so it's a complicated my question. I know.
1: <laughs> my husband frequently tells me that I am more of an optimist than is warranted. With- when it comes to assuming that I still have some measure of privacy in my life around my data. Um, you know, so, so we kind of laugh about that. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely believe that privacy is something that, that we have a right to,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that we should protect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, frankly, if, if privacy is not important to people and it's not something that, that still exists or should exist, then we just put a whole lot of work into GDPR if it's going to go nowhere fast, yeah. right? I mean, th- that, that regulation is about giving individuals the right to maintain some level of anonymity in the digital world mm-hmm. right, and having control over the data that's about them in that digital world mm-hmm. and, and i i think that we're on the brink of privacy being extinct mm-hmm. but i think that we're seeing regulations like gdpr we now have a new regulation in california that's coming up here i think imminently that'll go into effect that's all about privacy and I think there's a recognition on the part of some percentage of the populations around the globe, as well as even some governments that are saying, "Listen, you know once we let this genie completely out of the bottle, we're never going to get back in." So we need to be starting to, to put some guidelines and some regulations in place to help um, enable uh, people to maintain some level of control over their privacy. And, and I'm not a big regulation person. I mean, and McAfee is certainly not a company that, that, you know, pushes for regulation because there's often unintended consequences. But in some cases, you need strong guidelines. In other cases, it may require regulation,
0: right? I totally agree. Um, I was watching one of your, your, your talks. I think it was the, um, uh, the, the, the NY Stock Exchange, Xenex. Oh.
1: oh, yes. Yeah, it was a um, fun event.
0: And I, you spoke about the, the combination of AI and humans working together within a cybersecurity team harmoniously. And you mentioned that
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, humans have benefits to bring to the table and so do AI, and it's about finding that balance. Outside of a cybersecurity yep. team and in, in general in, within the workforce, um, how do you think AI will impact jobs over time? And what will this future of AI in the workforce look like?
1: Yeah, it was interesting at at the RSA conference this week. Uh, the keynote was talking about, um, uh, really, talked about trust in and the, the requirement of trust for security. But they opened up that keynote mm-hmm. talking about the the disruptions, the we'll call it um, work disruptions that have occurred over you know millennia. And, you know, there was an article uh, that I read a few months back out on the McKenzie Global Institute page that talked about how technology disruptions affect the workforce. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the reality is AI will be a disruption for the workforce because there is a significant number of functions that historically really did need to be done by humans. Mm -hmm. Think call centers. Think tier one support for a technology company that can now, to a pretty large extent, probably be taken care of by by a robot. And, and, you know, not everything will be able to be taken care of by the robot, but a material amount of that basic phone call, you know, I can't get into my account, can you do a password reset?
2: Mm-hmm. A
1: robot can probably handle that for you, right? And And, you know, as I read that article, it talks about, the transition from the agricultural kind of industry or the agricultural period to the industrial period to the digital period. If we look back at just the change from the agricultural period to the industrial period of our history, there was a 60% decline in employment in the agricultural share at the time the Industrial Revolution started to kick off Mm -hmm. because you had people leaving agriculture and going to industry um, you also had a significant number of jobs that had historically required massive amounts of labor in terms of creating food, et cetera, that was now beginning to be industrialized. Mm-hmm. And so we can expect that as we move kind of from where we are today into the next phase of, we'll call it the digital economy, um, leveraging AI and then beyond you know, just what we call machine learning now to deep learning, mm-hmm. we're going to see additional disruption, and it will take jobs. But the other thing that, that that article talked about is the fact that every time we've had that disruption take place, we've also seen an increase in new types of jobs. So new industries and new occupations have actually emerged
2: mm-hmm.
1: a, a, out of that disruption and absorbed those workers. And, and I would assert that today we have a much more educated populace, uh, at least you know in, in many parts of the world than they would have had back in, you know, the eighteen hundreds when the agricultural to industrial revolution occurred. Mm -hmm. So the ability for people today to either extend their current education or have the skills that they already have apply to different roles is probably much better than it was a hundred years ago or even, you know, sixty years ago. Yep. So so we should expect disruption, but I also think with that disruption will come opportunities for new types of careers where some skills will apply and some folks will have to extend those skills.
0: Definitely. I think it's, it's a very interesting time to be alive, and I think, like you mentioned, as, if we, as we transition through different periods of time, naturally jobs come and go, and due to changes in technology, for example, I think that I'm sure many people freaked out when computers were introduced into the workforce Thinking that the computers are going to take over all their jobs, or, or and when actually we're now working alongside computers, and I suppose that everyone at McAfee has their job because we use computers. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So it, it will definitely be interesting. I think um, I'm not sure. Do you do you watch last week tonight with John Oliver by any chance? With, with, with who? With John Oliver. John Oliver. Um, he's an English comedian. Yes, but occasionally. In Yes, yeah. I do. I love
1: him. He's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's good. I'm. I'm a big fan myself. He. His the last episode was actually on, um, uh, AI, and the one. The only thing, which I'm struggling to understand how we will progress with, is there'll be certain jobs, for example, truckers. Truckers are supposedly the next uh, line of work to be, to go towards AI, and then we've got a whole industry of truckers that need to transition from their traditional job into a, a role, I suppose, which is more like. Programming that would be hard to do, but then of course you get into the debate of uh, universal basic income. But do you um do you see like a, a world where AI takes over so much that we then need to find uh, some other way of spending our time, I guess? And how would that work? It,
1: it will it will evolve. I mean, no disruption is easy, and so your reference to truck drivers, you know, there will be industries where that transition is more brutal than other industries because the skills that they currently employ won't transition to a new set of a uh, new role very easily. And so as, as societies, we're going to have to figure out how we manage um, the transition for that populace. And, and, you know, without getting into the, uh, obviously the political debates around, you know, a, a universal, um, uh, paycheck, um, I think there's lots of opportunities for funding training programs and maybe they don't become programmers, but there are certainly other types of roles that those people could fill. Uh, you know, I, I think we're a ways out on fully autonomous vehicles. I, you know, I'm just sitting here contemplating driving down the freeway at 60, 70 miles per hour and having a, uh, lorry if you're British or a truck, <laughs> if you're American, um, flying down the road beside me at 60 or 70 miles an hour with absolutely no one behind the wheel.
0: That, that scares me um, as well. That, that's a scary that concept. terrifies me. Right? It's, it's, it does. It's bizarre. But Elon Musk seems to be very confident that it's going to happen soon. I mean, no one's right about everything all the time. So it's like, that's going to be another uh, interesting development, I guess, not only to see how AI takes over, or not takes over, but integrates into our workforce, but also just our general lives, from just crossing the street yeah. to, to uh, I don't know, ordering something from the shop.
1: We also have to think about the, the ecosystems around these technology spaces, and the implications of, of change that needs to happen in the ecosystem. If we just talk about autonomous vehicles, right, and, and AI is actually a large part of what's going to enable that to be a reality,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, AI can make mistakes i mean you know uh we have a dr celeste freilich which is one of um our employees she's uh, definitely a an expert on the technology of ai and she's talked about how you know certain issues that might occur in terms of the way in which ai um sees or interprets data can cause ai to completely miss or misidentify something. So, you know, she convinced AI recently that a rock-copper penguin was a frying pan um, because the way in which it interpreted the data set that it was seeing, there was something about that data that, that made it erroneously assume it was something else. And there's a bunch of articles on the web about where it does this. And so, you know, now we've got to think about AI is what's, you know, behind an autonomous vehicle. What happens when AI misinterprets a stop sign and interprets this as a 55-mile-per-hour sign instead. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of things just in terms of ecosystem. What are the, the legal liability issues associated with autonomous vehicles? How will laws need to change to account for the fact that a vehicle is now on the road without a driver and something bad happens? Is it the company that's liable? The car manufacturer or truck manufacturer? Is it the company? Company who owns the truck. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about just kind of regulation around, you know, government regulation and how that may need to change to, to accommodate for this. And, and that can apply to all kinds of things. It could be robotics, you know, surgical robots. It could be um, manufacturing, you know, where manufacturing is 100% automated.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's an entire ecosystem of, of things that have to be considered as we begin to implement AI in ways that, the human gets taken out of the equation. Because in that talk you referenced, what I talked about is machines are brilliant
2: mm-hmm. at
1: gathering data, interpreting data, and drawing conclusions. But they have no moral compass. Yeah. None. None. And so where you do have situations where a moral or ethical dilemma has to be taken into consideration in the outcome,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, you need the strategic intellect and the elect and the contextual understanding that a human brings to that, that dialogue. And that's where I think humans and machines coming together with the power of AI really driving... Um, conclusions and, and giving insight that can then be given to a human and that strategic intellect and contextual understanding applied to it for the best possible outcome.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Good. Um, so I suppose um, putting lorries without any kind of human driver to the side, what other parts of uh, AI would you say you're most concerned about?
1: Well, so um I'm pretty concerned about the possibility, actually, it's not a possibility, it's going to, it it will happen, of, you know, the adversary. So I work for a security company. Mm -hmm. We spend our life trying to create solutions that can outwit our adversaries. Mm -hmm. Um, The the presumption that AI will remain only in the domain of the good guy and that the bad guy will never use you know, AI is, is probably a recipe for failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, big concern that I have is how will our adversary, aka hackers, malware writers, etc., evolve how they're approaching their job, leveraging AI? And, you know, that could be everything from, you know, spewing fake information into the internet to affect public elections to poisoning data sets that are actually driving the AI algorithm. Because if you, if you think about how does AI come to its conclusions, it comes to its conclusions based on the algorithms that a human wrote to drive its investigation and the data set that it's actually looking at. So if you modify the data set, you can inherently modify the outcome of the analytics.
0: It's pretty scary. <laughs> pretty scary. <isn't> <laughs> Do you think that uh... AI might ever be used in a terrorist attack, or how and how would that how would that look? How could that be utilized?
1: Well, so I, I think the most probable way would be an attack on critical infrastructure,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or um, an attack on we'll call it weapons of. Uh, um, Machines of conflict, right? I, I hate weapons of war. Let's go machines of conflict. And, and so if you think about a terrorist, their, their objective is to create co- chaos, to disrupt um, communities and to undermine trust as a general rule. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that their, you know, their roles and responsibilities are much broader than that, but those seem to be the ones that we see frequently when you know, we're reading the papers or watching an attack unfold. And so it would be naive of us to assume that they will not employ AI mm-hmm. in either gathering information, uh, planning an event, or actually executing that event. And if you think about an attack on critical infrastructure, cyber would be the logical way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of talk about whether or not there are already uh, points of presence in infrastructure around the world that could facilitate that attack. And so... I think the most logical place we would see it is in, you know, somebody attacking the power grid or taking down the banking system, Um, and that could be through some sort of um, manipulating data, as we talked about, poisoning data that then, you know, convinces machines that they should take an action that would impede the availability of power or impede the stock market from doing its job every day. So I think that's one way. I think the other way is, you know, a significant amount of weaponry today or even devices that are used uh, in the service of keeping, you know, soldiers safe Mm -hmm. is is also IP-enabled. So, you know, um, armies around the world have been using robots Mm -hmm. to disarm, you know, roadside bombs for quite some time now. Uh, Historically... Those devices, you know, any, any kind of device wasn't armed. As we go forward, we could anticipate that maybe some of those devices are today or will be armed in the future. Well, if I'm an adversary that would like to wreak havoc, if I could intercept, you know, uh, digitally
2: mm-hmm.
1: one of those devices and redirect it, reprogram it, you know, instead of it taking out uh, an enemy army, it's now taking out a civilian set, um, that's, that's a pretty effective attack yeah. from a terrorist perspective. And so I think we just have to be diligent as we're, you know, as vendors, mm-hmm. thinking about how we help ensure the security of our critical infrastructure, whether that be the banking industry, our water sources, our power sources, etc. We have to be working very closely with our governments, with the, the companies that kind of are in charge of ensuring that that infrastructure stay um, on mm-hmm. and available and, and anticipate what are the likely types of attacks and then plan for how to thwart those. Our jobs need to be being you know, diligent about guessing what the attack might be and then trying to create an infrastructure that can be resilient against those attacks. And, and honestly, like, we, attacks happen. Yeah. Whether it's in a company, in a government, at home, they happen. Mm-hmm. The critical part of responding to an attack is being resilient to that attack. You know, if you, can def- if you can defend against it and prevent it, you know, 100% of the time you should do that. But you have to assume that at some point they'll get through. If they get through, how do we create and ensure resiliency of the systems so that we maintain uptime?
0: Mm-hmm. That, uh, I suppose that's where people like McAfee come in. <laughs> good defense is a good offense. Exactly, that's said. our job,
1: <laughs> right? And, and and we work very closely with you know our customers as well as you know as close as we can with with governments around the world to help figure out what we need to be building into our products to help ensure you know that security of whatever the asset is that they're trying to protect, whether it's their network, their data, um, you know their their military, etc. How do we create security solutions that protect us as much as they can, but then ensure resiliency of the system in the event something does get through?
0: Awesome. Um, So my final question, and on a slightly more upbeat note, you said you're an optimist, so I'm sure you've been thinking about the many wonderful things that AI can bring to us. What are you really looking forward to see developing from AI?
1: You know, um, certainly in, in the security industry, my hope is that, you know, AI does enable us to be more resilient. I think historically the security industry has been very reactive, right? A problem happens, we clean it up, and then we figure out how to make sure it can't happen again. It's a very reactive approach to security. I think AI will begin to give us the ability to, um, to vet massive amounts of data proactively to begin to see patterns in that data that imply nefarious behavior, and then perhaps proactively or, um, uh, you know, yeah, we'll go proactively put policies in place to thwart the attack before we ever even really know what it looks like or whether it exists. In let in what I'd say, we'll call it the day-to-day part of our lives, I'm... I'm most excited about how AI can be used in medical research. They're already leveraging AI in the search for a cure to cancer. You know, that is um, a disease that I I think, I, I don't know a single person that's not been touched by that, either because they've lost a loved one or because they've personally been touched by it. And as we contemplate how AI can make this a better world for us, I think leveraging it in medical research and that ability to, to reduce pain, to reduce the impact of disease will be an incredibly positive application of this technology.
0: Awesome. Um, I actually do only have one more, um, one more question. It's kind of a personal one. Okay. But uh, have, have you ever met John McAfee?
1: <laughs> I have not. So, you know, McAfee and Network Associates were two organizations that merged in, I think, around 96, 97, Mm -hmm. Um, and he he pretty much uh, merged the companies together, uh, took his uh, share, and kind of exited the business, so he hasn't really been involved since, I think, 96, 97. Mm -hmm. I joined in 2000, and so uh, he was long gone by the time I got here
0: all oh, right i I only ask because it, there's many interesting stories about him, but also i'm quite um I'm quite a big fan of cryptocurrency and he's um he's a big advocate for cryptocurrency and he's he does a lot in that space so uh he's, he's, he pops up in the headlines in my headlines uh now and then but um that that's he, awesome
1: he's an interesting character for sure <laughs>
0: yeah. uh unless there's anything else that you have that you want to finish the show with, that pretty much sums up all of my questions um And, yeah, it's been incredibly informative.
1: Wonderful. I really appreciate the opportunity. I I think AI is just an incredibly interesting space, and, you know, it's going to continue to evolve. It's it's pretty new. I mean, it's been around for a while, but the application of AI to so many different spaces is really accelerating. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm just excited to see what it's going to bring over the course of the next 24, 36, 48 months to you know, both to the security world, but also to the general world we live in. So thanks for the discussion. It's been a lot of fun today.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Candice. Weird Wide Web. For our Weird Wide Web story today, we have a barking drone that is being used to herd sheep. And this story is coming out of, well, you can probably guess, New Zealand, a country that has a ratio of six sheep per person. Clearly, it is not just humans that will have their jobs stolen by machines in our AI future. Winter time, it's ideal for checking, like flying it, sitting at home on a cold day, I don't want to go outside, so I fly my drone around, have a look, make sure all the stock behind the wire when we stop break fencing. Also, in the, when we're lambing, we can fly it around. It's ideal for the zoom, going in, right in, looking at it, not even disturbing the ewes and lambs. The latest drone model, a DJI Mavic Enterprise, which comes with a $3,500 price tag, is able to record sounds and then play them out over a speaker. This means a dog's bark, or anything else for that matter, can now be loudly projected across a paddock. That's our show for today. If you want to see the full video of sheep being chased from above to the theme of Darth Vader, you can find that along with all the other details from today's show on our website at sociable.co. Thanks for listening.